this morning, as you think about the idea of not being shy, I want you to consider for a moment the fact that God was not shy when it came to handing out blessings. Right? As you think about all the reasons to reply back with an overflow and an overwhelming blessing to God this morning in praise, consider what He has done for you in Jesus Christ. Listen to this from the book of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ, listen to this, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen? Amen. And here's the deal. It's not just a new thing. It's a, it's a thing that's been planned out in history. Even it says, as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. God wasn't shy, y'all. He wasn't shy, and we should never be shy or ashamed to praise God. Let's go to Him now in prayer. Father, we praise You. We thank You for a chance today to stand and praise You on this last day. Not just the last Sunday, but the last day of 2023, God. We close out this year knowing that You have been better to us than we have ever deserved and God, you've not just been better, you've been amazing to us. So I pray that every heart today would be happy in the Lord. Father, if there's someone under the sound of my voice today who has never turned from sin and trusted in Christ, I pray that today, that today they would hear the gospel preached, the good news of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit would awaken them to their need for Christ, and they would run to Jesus in faith and love and repentance and be saved. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, grab your seat. Man, it is so good to be together with you in the house of the Lord. It was good to get away this past week to be with family in Kentucky and to see some of our brothers and sisters in Christ in Tennessee, but it's great to be home to Mississippi with you all. Grab your copy of God's Word. Let's go to uh, uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3. Now, it's that time of year to get these New Year's traditions rolling. Nothing like some collard greens and some black-eyed peas and fireworks <laughs> to ring in the New Year. You know what I'm saying? Now, listen. Listen, y'all. Now, fireworks on New Year's Eve, that was a real nice surprise when we Kentuckians moved down uh, to Mississippi. You see, up in Kentucky, we, we don't do fireworks. At, at, we just do that on July 4th, not on New Year's Eve. Now, we might grab our shotguns and go out and shoot them up in the air a few times, right? We make a little noise, don't get me wrong, but ain't no fireworks being shot in Kentucky on New Year's Eve. Now, in Kentucky, we do find somebody to kiss. <laughs> and I've noticed over the years, it's best if it's your wife, right? For some reason, if it ain't the fella that does that, always ends up starting the year out with a lot of bad luck. I <laughs> just... Word to the wise, all right? But I'll keep the fireworks, and I'm going to find Christy to kiss tonight. But thankfully at my house, we don't mess with those collard greens and black-eyed peas. One of the many perks of marrying an Ohio girl is that she cooks pork loin and sauerkraut and orange juice. Mm, man, I'm telling you, that is some kind of good. And the best part, the kids hate it, so more for me. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, these traditions, they may seem a bit strange or quirky, but New Year's, it's just a time, y'all, that's filled with all sorts of strange and quirky customs around the world to help us set, to get set up for success in the New Year. You see, in Siberia, they dive into a frozen lake while holding a tree trunk, and they try to place that tree trunk under the ice, and somehow that brings them good luck. I guess if you don't die from hypothermia, good luck, right? All right. In Burma, they, they splash people with water on each other, right, to start out the new year with a purified soul, they say. In Colombia, people carry empty suitcases around the block to set themselves up for all sorts of exciting travel in the next year. The Irish, they make sure that every door and windows open throughout the home when the clock strikes 12 so that the old year can leave and the new year can come. In Spain, what do you do? Well, you grab 12 grapes. You eat 12 grapes right before the clock chimes midnight, and that'll give you luck, they say, fortune, all 12 months of the coming year. Italians? Well, you know how Italians are. They put on their best red underwear. <laughs> that brings them success and passion, they think, for the upcoming year. The Philippines, well, they wear polka dots, which are round like coins, and they believe that sets them up for wealth in the coming year. Brazilians, they put on white, they go to the beach, they throw flowers in the ocean, and then they jump seven waves. Speaking of jumping, the Danish literally jump into the new year. They stand on chairs as the clock counts down or a couch whatever they can find to get up on and then at midnight they leap off and if you don't bad luck and then residents of johannesburg south africa they don't don't stand under their windows all right on new year's because when the clock strikes they throw out old appliances and furniture right to literally represent out with the old and in with the new so lots of strange and quirky customs around the world on the New Year's Eve, all right? Every New Year, though, brings excitement. I mean, it's something new, another trip around the sun. It feels so fresh. And the idea out of the old and in with the new is a very biblical idea. You see, over and over again, the Bible calls us from our old self into the newness of life that is in Jesus Christ. And now, of course, that, that sort of mentality is should be, it should be a 24-7 thing, right, all year long. But here at the new year, it's especially timely to think on these things and to take stock of our life. Is there any old in me? Is there any old bin, any old ways, any of the old flesh that needs to go out so that the newness of Christ may come in? Now, if we want to get the most out of 2024, that's a question that every single one of us should be wrestling with today and in the coming week. And perhaps no other passage of Scripture better instructs us for this than Colossians 3. And so this morning, we're going to focus on this passage as we think on this topic. How to step into the fullness of what God has for you in 2024. That's today's topic. How to step into the fullness of what God has for you in 2024. And we could summarize it by simply saying, out with the old and, and end with the new. But Colossians 3 points us to three specific things around that idea. And here's the first thing. is simply this. Fix your mindset upward with Christ. Fix your mindset upward with Christ. Beloved, step it out into the fullness of what God has for you in 2024 begins with a mindset. 
fix your mind up with Christ. Look at verse 1 and 2 here in our text. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Now, the mindset there is, is really clear, isn't it? Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on the things that are above. Beloved, that's where joy is. That's where goodness is, right? Satisfaction, hope. That's where power is. Why? Because that's where Christ is. It says it right here. Christ is seated in the heavens at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And when we look up and seek up and set our minds up, there's going to be blessing for your life. Yeah, of course, these New Year traditions and and superstitions, they, they bring some extra fun. They do, absolutely. Some nostalgia even with the holiday. But we as Christians, we know that there's no power in them. Right? There's no such thing as luck. And doing some silly thing at the stroke of midnight or not, it really makes no difference in the world. I'm not saying don't do them. <laughs> they are fun, right? But I'm just saying don't put your hope in them because there's no power in them. Where's power? The power is where Christ is. And where is Christ? He is above, it says. So we seek that which is above. We set our minds on that which is above. Beloved, what does the world really have to offer? I mean, think about it, right? If you were to fix your eyes on that which is below, let's go the opposite here. What does it really have to offer you? And the truth is nothing lasting. Nothing really satisfying. Now, you may say, well, Pastor Ben, didn't didn't God give us this world to enjoy? And the answer is yes, of course he did. Indeed, he gave you this world to enjoy, but this world was never meant to be the ending point or the focal point of our joy it was always meant to be what you might call the bouncing point of joy my eyes and my heart should not end on the things of this world the things that are below but rather the things of this world should cause my eyes and my heart to bounce upward toward God so when I I'm sitting in the deer stand and I see that big buck out there that would look great on my wall or that doe that would look great in my freezer. My my eyes and my heart shouldn't stop on that deer. Right? They should bounce upward to the one who made the deer, who gave the deer. It's not, I love deer. It's, I love God who made and gave the deer. Now, mamas, when you or grandmamas, when you're holding that sweet baby boy or girl, And you just can't get enough, right? You just eat them alive. Your heart and your eyes shouldn't stop on that baby. No, they should bounce upward to the one who made babies, who gave us babies. Again, it's not I I love babies. It's I love God who made babies and gave us babies. Even tomorrow when you're watching a ton of football. How many of y'all plan to watch football tomorrow? Yeah, man, I mean, it's it's New Year's Day. The playoffs are on. Surely you're going to watch college football playoffs, even if your team's not in it, all right? But again, when you're cheering for that team and when that big play happens, again, help and make sure that your eyes bounce upward. It's a bouncing point. Praise God for giving us the ability to watch and to, to play football. And that's where you're going to find 
satisfaction and joy. Because even when you shoot and miss that deer, I've seen me do it. <laughs> All right? There's still satisfaction and joy. Even when that baby grows up and moves off to college, there's still satisfaction and joy because it's a bouncing point. He's a bouncing point or she's a bouncing point. Even when your team loses or doesn't even make the bowl game, much less the playoffs, it's a bouncing point for you. So fix your mind upward with Christ. Enjoy the world, but let it cause your heart and eyes to bounce to God who gave them to you. See, there up above, upward is where Christ is, our King, our Savior and Lord. But not only that, but the text says that's where your life is. Don't you want to fix your eyes on where your life is, where life is found? Look at verse 3, Colossians 3, 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You see down here, death and decay. Up there, life and liberty. I mean, why would you focus down here when you could focus up there? Christ is better. His agenda is better. And up there is where your hope is coming from. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. But what that means, y'all, is that the fix, it's not coming from down here. It's not coming from the government. It's, it's not coming from that 501c3, that community organization around here, right? It, it's not coming from a university. It's not coming from the flesh. It's coming from God in Christ Jesus. The psalmist asked in Psalm 121, the first two verses, he said, I lift my eyes up to the hills. In other words, he elevates his eyes. He looks above. From where does my help come? And here's his answer, and his answer is our answer. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven so, beloved, fix your mindset upward with Christ. That's where your hope's coming from. That's where your life is hidden. That's where Jesus resides. A mindset that fixes itself up says, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Like the, like the old song said, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd, I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand. In other words, he's our number one passion, our number one priority. So upward with Jesus. That's where blessing and fullness of life are found. Fixing your mindset upward with Christ, that, that's the first step into the fullness of what God has for you in 2024. Here's the second step. We're just walking down through Colossians 3 here. Number two is to mortify all aspects of sin in your life. Mortify all aspects of sin in your life. Now, the, the word mortify is not a word that we use that often. But it means to kill. You see it right there in the very beginning of verse 5, Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death. Nekrao, nekrao in the Greek here. The Holy Spirit, through Apostle Paul, is calling us to give sin its mortal wound, to mortify it, to put it to death. Beloved, hear me well. Sin is not something that should be played around with. Sin is not something that should be played around with. 
I, I remember the first time that I came face to face with a rattlesnake in the wild. I, of course, had heard about rattlesnakes. I had seen rattlesnakes in zoos. But on that day in 2007, the summer of 2007, on that Navajo reservation in Nagizi, New Mexico, for the first time ever, I met one of them jokers face to face, face to face. We'd been painting a little Christian mission there. And as I walked into the tool shed to put away my paintbrushes that day, I began to bend over toward the wall to put my brush in the mineral spirits uh, bucket there. And all of a sudden I heard, and I jumped back. I was like, well, what, what, you know, I thought, did I knock something off? Was it vibrating, you know, like clinging on the ground? What was it? It sounded, it sounded like a piece of metal that had fallen on the floor to me. And so I stepped back, and of course, coming out of the, the New Mexico desert into a shed, I mean, my, my eyes hadn't really adjusted yet, but as I stepped back and began to look and began to focus, I could see in that dim room my eyes adjusted, and right there where I was about to put my hand was a rattlesnake coiled up ready to strike and going just back and forth still kind of haunts me to think about it I mean I saw him face it. he was looking at me and I was looking at him and guess what I did I reached down and picked that thing up and began to pet it <laughs> and to say oh you're so cute oh look oh look at those teefers you know I mean just not <laughs> no I I, guys, there's a rattlesnake, and here they come with a shovel, and we goo, 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 goo with that shovel until finally we separated that rattlesnake's head <laughs> from his body. Beloved, that's what you do when you come face to face with a rattlesnake. And the Bible says that's what you and I should do when we come face to face with our sin. We kill it before it kills us, we don't play with it. We don't coddle it. We don't, we, don't, we don't pet it. We don't try to control it. We don't try to rationalize it. I want to say this morning, that's what some of us in this room are trying to do with our sin. We're messing around with it. We're rationalizing it. We're coddling it like it's harmless. But it's not harmless, beloved. It's not harmless. We must kill it first. Because it will kill us. Put it to death. Mortify it. But which actions, think about this. This is an important question. Which actions and attitudes and thoughts are sinful? That, that's a really, really important question. But let me give you a really concise answer. What actions, attitudes, and thoughts are sinful? Answer? Whatever the Bible says it is. Amen? Isn't that, I mean, Amen? What the, what the Bible says, God says. And if the Bible says it's sin, then God says it's sin. God is the one who defines what sin is. Now, God in His grace gives us a list. And He gives us a list right here. It's not exhaustive, but it's an excellent start. Look at verses 5 through 10. Put to death, therefore, what's earthly in you, Sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its 
creator. Now, in this list, there are about 12 different sins that you and I should seek to mortify if we want to experience the fullness of what God has for us in 2024. And it's interesting here, as, as, as the Holy Spirit through Apostle Paul writes this, he writes it as if this is someone who has come to Christ but has begun to get some distance from Christ. He said, you've put on Christ, you've put on the new self, right? But you're beginning to come over here and coddle sin and to play with sin and to, to pet sin. Now, most of these need no definition. Straightforward, right? You know what they mean. But the first four may be a little bit unclear, all right? And the main reason that they're unclear is that they're sort of broad categories, all right? First is the term here, sexual morality. Now, if there is a category of sin that Americans, or let's just say the world, because it's, it's not just America, that the world knows in 2023 going into 2024 is the broad term sexual morality. Porneia in the Greek, it's the root word where we get our word pornography. It just comes straight from, it, it, both of those words just come straight from Greek into English. Porneia, sexual morality, graphe, writing right sexual writing and of course it's not just writing anymore right porneia in the greek again translated as sexual morality it captures anything that's sexually sinful pornography itself of course sexually sinful fornication which is sex before marriage sinful adultery homosexuality Incest, bestiality. I mean, and the list could go on and on. You say, Ben, do you really have to say those things? The Bible does. Go to Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18 says these things are sinful. And the human heart, left to itself, will indulge itself in all sorts of things. And, and watch this. Here's what sin does. Sin doesn't just stop here where you're at. It drags you deeper and deeper into further debauchery right the thing which used to titillize you will no longer titillate it's just like a drug sexual morality is just like a drug and if you take that now that will not satisfy you for long because your brain will say I need more I need something more more debauched and before long man you get into some stuff that's like so debased so sick and so dehumanizing but that's that one he moves on to the uh, a second one with, that he just calls impurity and, and there's overlap here but impurity is just anything morally unclean again the world would say nothing's unclean do whatever your heart desires beloved your heart is naturally wicked and deceitful. Your heart naturally craves that which is not good for you. Your, your heart naturally craves that which is impure. But again, this big blanket term, it catches several sins. And then he says passion. Passion, it's another way of saying lust. Now lust is sexual morality of the mind. It's fantasizing about what is sexually immoral. 
And then finally, he categorizes here the ones that we kind of need to define a little bit simply by saying evil desire. Evil desire, that is wanting anything God has forbidden and refusing anything God has commanded. It goes both ways. Evil desire can go both ways. Wanting what he's forbidden or refusing what he's commanded. I want to say to you this morning, beloved, if, if you are dealing with ongoing sin in this list, you've got to stop fooling around with it. It is a rattlesnake, and it will kill you. You say, preacher, we believe in once saved, always saved. It will kill you. Don't mess with it. Don't tempt God with it. Don't put your soul in jeopardy. It will kill you. It will kill you. Stop fooling around with it. Cut its head off. And I pray that God would give you eyes to see it for what it really is. It's not just temporally dangerous. It's eternally dangerous. Look at verse 6 if you don't believe me. Verse 6 says, on account of these things. What things? This whole list. The wrath of God is coming. It's coming, the wrath of God. God's righteous, holy anger. If you don't put these things to death, you are in danger of experiencing that. Mortify it. But how? Right? How? How do we do that? First, you've got to call it what it is. Call it what it is. Confess confess, confess your sin confession literally means to say the same thing about your sin that God says about it second, you've got to ask God for forgiveness for it and listen, there is forgiveness I, I, it, honestly, it does not matter what you've done, there is forgiveness for your sin if you will ask God in the name of Jesus Christ for it I've seen Him do it, amen He's done it in my life and He'll do it in yours third Ask for God's power to mortify it. You, you can't do it on your own. It's not within your power to do it on your own. But with God's help, you get the omnipotence of God to come in and to battle this thing and try to slay this thing. And then fourth, what do you do? Out with the old. <laughs> you throw it out. You starve it. You reject it. You refuse to let it have a place in your life. And that may mean, listen to me closely, that may mean refusing to let others who love that sin to have a place in your life as well. You've got to get serious about your sin because your sin is serious. So mortifying all aspects of sin in your life, that's the second step, y'all, into the fullness of what God has for you in 2024. And, and here's the final step. It's linked to the second step, you could say it's, 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 it's uh, the, the other side of the same coin, and that is to finally pursue godliness in their place. Pursue godliness in their place. We don't just stop sinning. We start, we replace it. We replace sinning with righteousness. We replace sinning with godliness. We pursue godliness in their place. Look at verse 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Let me just stop right there and say over and over again in this passage, he keeps talking about your identity, who you are, 
the old you is not who you are. If you are dealing with some things in the old you, that is not who you are. Lean into your identity, and your identity, if you're a Christian, is, is Christ. You are chosen, you're holy, you're beloved. And here's what we're to put on, he says. Continuing in verse 12, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against a, a, another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you've been called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now, where our previous list was the sin list, this is the righteousness list, okay? It is the righteousness list. We are to put off sin and to put on righteousness, just like a shirt. That, that's the imagery here. Take off that old nasty shirt. Throw it away. You're on a new team, that old jersey. Take it off, throw it away. It's tattered, it's torn, it's ugly. And they're losers. Take it off, throw it away. Put on this new, bright, clean, crisp, winning Jersey, so to speak. We throw out that old sin and we bring in this new righteousness. And again, we don't just stop sinning. We start doing that which is righteous. A few years ago, marriage and, and family expert Greg Smalley, he, uh, he noticed some weeds sprouting up amongst the healthy grass in his yard. And so he went to the hardware store, he picked up a bottle of weed killer, and man, he, he went over to where they were, and, and he just, he just drenched those weeds. Well, a day later, his grass was dead, and the weeds were great. The weeds were green and lush and full, and so he tried again, and again, just killed more grass than he killed weeds. And so his wife finally suggested, hey, hey, Greg, won't you just go speak with somebody that knows what they're doing? Any of you wives ever said that? <laughs> no, no, honey, I'll fix it. No, no, please, go talk to somebody that knows what they're doing. All right? Well, he listened to her, and he went and, and spoke with a professional before he killed their whole yard. <laughs> so off he went, and, and Smalley recalled, he said this. He said, what he said, I'll never forget because it applies to dealing with sin in our lives in general. The professional said, you don't just go after the weeds. You grow the healthy grass around them. That healthy grass will kill the weeds. It'll choke out the weeds. And I, as I read that, I said, oh my, that's real wisdom. You see, one of the ways that we mortify sin in our life is not just to battle sin, right? Ah, kill it, cut off its head. No, one of the ways that we battle sin rather than that is to fertilize, nourish that which is righteous. We got to get busy doing that which is right so that we don't have time to sin. We pursue godliness in the place of our sin. And in time, sin will be weeded out by the overgrowth of that which is good. So beloved, this morning, the question is not what must, is not just what must die, what needs to stop. 
The question is, what needs to start? Not just what weeds need to be killed, but what needs to be fed. That which you feed will thrive. That which you feed will thrive. And don't you want to thrive in 2024? Well, then pursue godliness with all your heart. How do you step into the fullness of what God has for you in 2024? You fix your mindset up with Christ. You mortify all aspects of sin in your life. And you pursue godliness in their place. Here's my final prayer this morning. May the new year bring renewed blessings as you walk in greater Holiness. Ultimately, that's what we're talking about here. Holiness. Holiness. Obedience in greater holiness with 